our Bible study about loving God, the primary principle of the Christian life. I want to invite you, if you will, to join me as we say together the definition of what it is to love God. As I mentioned to you, this is a definition based on uh, a sermon by John Wesley, who says this, join me as we read together, to love God is to self-sacrificially commit oneself to delight in Him, to rejoice in serving Him, to desire continually to please Him, to seek one's happiness in Him, and to thirst day and night for a fuller enjoyment of Him. Amen. We have talked about the aspect of self-sacrificial commitment, that Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and to follow Him. And we have talked most recently, I believe it would have been two weeks ago tonight, about what it is to delight in the Lord. We looked at a passage from Psalm 37 and verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. We talked about the fact that delight is, the meaning of delight is to take exquisite pleasure in something just to revel in something, to really enjoy. We don't, we, we don't often think of our Christianity or our walk with the Lord in these kinds of terms, but we ought to. We ought to. Um, I was going to, I don't know, think of something you enjoy. What do you take delight in? Um, maybe it's your favorite chair, recliner, I don't know, you just, you know that feeling when you just, you sit and you sit back and, you know, it's just, I hesitate to say this, but it sags in all the right places, you know, it it sags in all the places you sag, Um, and it just is just right, and you can just sit back and, ah, now for me, you add a nice cup of coffee to that and a and a good book or the scriptures and that is i can revel in that i can delight in that take exquisite pleasure in it oh there are other things that i enjoy also that just sometimes make me smile brother henry will know what i'm talking about if you know if you enjoy music there sometimes i hear certain songs and I hear certain melodies or chord progressions or, or whatever, and the harmonies and everything, and it just, oh, it's just beautiful. And oh, I just delight to hear it, just rejoice in it. That's the way we ought to love God, to take delight in Him. And we ought to do it intentionally, we ought to do it purposefully. Delight is the natural outflow of love. When you love someone or something, you take delight 
in that thing or in that person. You delight to spend time with that individual. Delight expresses itself in praise. Delight is not complete unless it is shared with those around you. When you are taking delight in something or someone, you want to share that. And you know that if you have, if, if there are two of you that you share a mutual interest in something, I, I mentioned music, and uh, sometimes I will hear something and I'll have to turn it back a little ways and go get one of my kids or go to my wife and say, here, just listen to this, listen to this. And we'll listen to it together. Because that kind of thing, to, to delight, to revel in something, it's not complete unless it's shared, and it, it expresses itself in praise. And you don't enjoy the praise if you're just keeping it inside. It needs to come out and be shared with everyone. We spoke about Psalm 18 as being an expression of the psalmist David's delight in who God is for me and what God does for me and what God reveals. This evening we're going to continue talking about delight and we're going specifically to talk both tonight and probably one more time uh, about delighting in what delights God delighting in what delights God. I read a story uh, this afternoon about Joe Stoll, the man who used to be, I believe, uh, the, he was either the president of Moody Bible Institute or the pastor of the Moody Church, one or the other, I forget which. And um, according to his story, he said there was a time in his life that he thought pets were just a waste of time. He didn't, he, he didn't understand at all the, the value or the purpose of having a pet, and it, just, it was just kind of foolishness to him until he met the young woman who would become his wife. And she had a, a pet, I believe it was a little dog, that she loved very much. And he learned after a time that loving that young lady meant also learning to love the things that she loved, and it included that little dog. So he learned to love that little dog. Well, when we delight in the Lord, when we love God by delighting in Him, we need to learn to delight in what God delights in. And interestingly enough, there are numerous passages that talk about things being a delight to the Lord, but there's only one passage where God specifically instructs us in this, uh, in, and it is Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 through 14. Just a little, a little preface or disclaimer, uh, this passage of Scripture is about the Sabbath day. I understand that in a, an audience, in a, in a crowd like this, there are probably a number of perspectives on the Sabbath day. And that's okay. 
Um, I, I will permit you to think, of course, you can think what you like, but I'm, I'm up here so you can listen to me tell you what I think, okay? All right, so if you disagree with me, that's okay. You're, you're welcome uh, to your opinion about what the Scripture says about this. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. So here we find these verses that tell us very specifically how to delight in the Lord, how to delight in what delights God. And directly, it is by taking delight in His day, in the Sabbath day. Now, we see here a few things that it tells us what not to do in order to delight in the Sabbath. It tells us we are not to pursue our own ways or our own pleasure, or our own words, our own ways, our own pleasure. Another uh, understanding of that word pleasure, if you have a footnote, uh, you, you, you probably have a footnote in your Bible on that word pleasure. It also says business, so it can be pleasure or business, or your own words. So those are the things that we are not to pursue in order to express our delight in the Sabbath. What we are to do to delight in the Lord is simply this, to delight in the Sabbath. Now there are some things that we need to, that we need to talk about to clear the air here. Uh, as I mentioned, there are probably numerous perspectives on the Sabbath just in this group of people. And as you talk to Christians in the larger evangelical world, you will hear even uh, broader, more broad opinions about the Sabbath. <clears throat> so let's take just a moment to explain what we are talking about when we talk about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means simply Rest. It means simply rest. It does not mean Saturday. It does not mean the seventh day. Nor does it mean seven. It just means rest. Okay? Sabbath. Shabbat. What does someone, someone can come to you now and ask you, Sabbath, what does that mean? And you can say, rest, yes, and Shabbat is the Hebrew word, exactly, and it means simply rest. Another thing that you will find is some people may have this understanding that Sabbath uh, is, is an Old Testament concept and that it is not applicable for us in the New Testament era in which we live. As I said, if you want to think what you want to think, you are welcome to. 
I don't happen to agree with that. I believe that Sabbath-keeping is just as applicable to us today as it ever was. I have a verse of Scripture I would like to mention to you on this line. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22 through 23. This is uh, a reference to the time after, after the Lord comes, after the Lord comes back. And the prophet here says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath. All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Now, if after there is a new heaven and a new earth, we're still going from Sabbath to Sabbath, honoring and worshiping the Lord, then why should we suppose that maybe right now we don't have a Sabbath to acknowledge the Lord? Just, just saying, just something to think about. So we understand that Sabbath simply means rest. It is not simply an Old Testament construct. And that here in Isaiah 58, the prophet tells us specifically, if we want to delight in the Lord, if we want to delight in what God delights in, that we ought to delight, to take delight in His day, to delight in the Sabbath. Now, I know what at least probably some of you may be thinking. And most likely you're thinking about all the things that you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath or on the Lord's Day. We'll talk about that in a minute, the difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. We're going to get there. Can I just tell you something? You're not ever going to take delight in anything where the focus is all on the rules about what you can't. It'll never be a delight to you. It'll never be enjoyable or pleasurable to you. And we are to delight in the Lord by delighting in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is given to us out of the goodness and provision of a God who loves us and cares about us. It is given to us as an opportunity to lay aside our normal daily cares of life and living. I, some of you may have grown up differently than I did, but I grew up in such a way where it still seems strange to me to observe people in the world treating the Lord's Day as they would any other day of the week. I, I'm not trying to, I, I don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip or whatever. I'm just telling you, this is how, this is just how my life was as I was growing up. And, and it was something deeply ingrained. Now, if it was not deeply ingrained in you, then you need to maybe let the Holy Spirit talk to you about this. Again, not a, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a guilt trip. I'm just saying, ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do about this? And ask Him to, to give you direction and help you. 
He'll help you. He will guide you. But if I can kindly say this, what is stranger still is when I see people who I really believe love the Lord and are doing their best to serve Him, I see them also treating the Lord's day as they would just any other day. And again, let me come back to this. If our emphasis is on all the things, and I'm sorry if this is distracting you, it's distracting me, I'll tell you. I can't get this thing adjusted for some reason. If the focus is all on what you can't do, then it'll never be a delight or a pleasure to you. It was given to us out of the goodness and provision of God. It is an opportunity for us to lay aside our normal cares and obligations and responsibilities. And it is given to us for physical and spiritual rest and refreshment. Physical and spiritual rest and refreshment. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. I don't know. If you've ever studied much about the French Revolution, you may know that they tried for a period of time to institute a 10-day week. Have any of you ever heard this? Yeah, at least one or two of you. They tried to institute a 10-day week. And it is said that even the horses that pulled the carriages were dropping in the streets from exhaustion because of overwork. People, when God set for us the example through six days of creation followed by a day of rest on the seventh, he knew what he was doing. He knew what we needed. So let's talk for a minute about the transition from Saturday to Sunday. Some of you may have heard this. You may have been exposed to uh, some literature or maybe signage somewhere. Um, I remember seeing, hearing, reading that Sunday worship is associated with the mark of the beast. Has anybody ever heard or seen that? Yeah, that's just foolishness. It's foolishness. But here is just, just a simple explanation, and I don't want to take a whole lot of time here, but just to go through this, just so, so we all understand. The, the pattern for Saturday, the seventh day of the week, set aside as a day of Shabbat, a Sabbath day. It is instituted in creation, and uh, uh, we read first about it from Exodus chapter 20. And uh, if you want to look these up and follow along with me, you can, or you can just listen to me. Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 11. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Pretty much a repeat of the passage from Exodus 20. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. Your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox or donkey, even the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember. You shall remember. So, so here we have another addition to the purpose of Sabbath. It's not just for rest, but it's also for remembrance. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And then the verse that we've used for our text, Isaiah chapter 58, where it speaks about delighting in the Lord by delighting in the Sabbath day. So, Pastor, why do we have the Lord's day? We, we worship, we gather on Sunday instead of on Saturday. Well, there was a transition that took place. Something happened that you may have read about it. Uh, we call it Easter Sunday, and uh, church historians say that every Sunday is a miniature Easter celebration because every Sunday we, we gather, we worship on Sunday, it is a day of commemorating a, a day that uh, Jesus rose from the grave. <clears throat> this is supported easily from the scriptures from the New Testament. We see, first of all, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. These words, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. So here we have just a reference to the fact that the disciples, the followers of Christ, were gathering together to break bread on the first day of the week, Sunday. Another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. I won't take time to read this one, but <clears throat> this is a verse where Paul talks to the Corinthian believers about them uh, gathering a collection, taking a collection, an offering on the first day of the week when they gather for worship. Most notably, though, is a verse from the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Some of you may remember what this verse says. This is John talking about his revelation that he has received from the Lord, his vision. And he says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And that's all it says. No explanation for the term Lord's day. He simply assumes that everybody is going to know what he means. You see, friends, throughout church history, Christians have consistently applied Old Testament Sabbath principles to the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. The Lord's Day commemorates, like the Old Testament Shabbat, God's new creation in Christ, the resurrection and the deliverance of His people from the bondage of sin. So now, if somebody asks you, 
you know, some people say Saturday, and some people gather on Sunday. What do you say? What day is it? Well, we gather on Sunday, the Lord's Day, because it is a commemoration of the resurrection of Christ. But we gather for the same purpose. It, it, it is used for the same purpose, for rest and for remembrance. So in conclusion, let's talk for just a few moments about delighting in the Lord on the Lord's Day. How do we do it? What does it look like? Three key principles apply here. First one would be this. It is a day reserved for God and a day reserved by God for man's benefit. It's a day reserved for God and a day reserved by God for man's benefit. And I think I just saw somebody, I saw a couple people taking some notes. Um, I apologize, our copy machine is currently broken down. Uh, so I was not able to make copies for you of the, uh, of the handout. But if you're interested, we can get you caught up in the next week or so. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He sanctified it. He set it apart. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So it is a day reserved for God, but also a day reserved by God for man's benefit. Mark chapter 2. Mark Chapter 2, verses, uh, rather, verse 27. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Let me just read you this entire little story, beginning with verse 23. It says, One Sabbath he was going, that is Jesus, going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, let me just repeat to you, this is, is not a day for us to begrudge all that we cannot do, but it is a day for us to revel in God's goodness and provision for us. It is made for us. It is a day of rest from the normal work of the rest of the week. Now, Jesus was continually getting into trouble with the religious leaders of his day because of what they perceived to be him working on the Sabbath day. And through the teachings of Jesus, we see that repeatedly Jesus expressed this truth, this principle, that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or we would say now on the Lord's day, 
we're, we're using those terms interchangeably. Specifically, he mentions three kinds of, of work that are lawful on the Sabbath or on the Lord's Day. The first would be deeds of mercy. Deeds of mercy, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 10 through 13. I'll start with verse 9. Jesus went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. Jesus said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Now, technically, according to the letter of the law that they were trying to operate by, that was working on the Sabbath, and they weren't supposed to do that. But Jesus is saying to them, any of you that has some livestock falls into a pit, you're going to get it out. And he said, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. Deeds of mercy. Deeds of necessity are also lawful on the Sabbath day. Deeds of necessity. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. And we already read this passage. This is the time when the disciples and Jesus were walking through the, the grain and they were plucking the grains of wheat so that they could have something to eat on the Sabbath day. Deeds of necessity. In other passages, Jesus talks about the, the ox getting in the ditch. And uh, I remember hearing or reading that someone said, if you have an ox that keeps getting in the ditch, you need to get rid of that ox. Um, now, I don't, I don't want to be legalistic about any of this. I don't want to encourage any of you to be legalistic about this, about any of this, the way we honor the Lord's Day, the way we honor the Sabbath. I want us simply to look at it as the goodness and the provision of God to revel in it and to enjoy it. Make some extra preparation throughout the week. Buy your gas and groceries on Saturday so you don't have to do it on Sunday. Um, I know this is not maybe popular these days, and, and it's, it's very common to say, Pastor, stores are open anyway they're gonna people are gonna be out there anyway you know i've i've worked and had interaction with people in the restaurant industry and you know what i've heard from many of them many of them have said if it weren't for all of the church people coming to eat at the restaurants on sunday they would not be able to stay open on sunday it's very quiet that's okay You see, friends, the fact of the matter is when we, we want to have our Shabbat, a day of rest and remembrance, and we should also not want to deprive anyone else of their Shabbat. Say, oh, pastor, they're going to be out there working anyway. Well, maybe they are, but they shouldn't have to do it because of us. Amen.
That's probably enough. <laughs> All I'm di- remember my disclaimer, okay? I'm not telling you you have to do anything that I and my family do. I'm just, you just take what I say, and if you have a different opinion, that's fine. It's okay. Just as long as you're willing to stay open before the Lord, and if the Lord tells you to do differently, you, do, you don't, don't you dare do anything because I say you ought to do it. But if the Lord uses me to talk to you, then I hope you'll respond. Say, yeah, Lord, I can make that. I can make that change. I can make that adjustment. Now, I used to work, I used to work in a hospital. Say, Pastor, did you ever work on Sunday? Yes, I did when I worked in a hospital. I've also had to be in the hospital on Sunday. And I was glad for anybody who might have been there that was a Christian serving the Lord and they were doing it in the healthcare industry and they were doing it on the Lord's Day or on the Sabbath. I was glad for that. Amen. Deeds of mercy, deeds of necessity, also deeds of worship. Deeds of worship. Did you know that this is not my Sabbath day? This is my busiest day of the week. So I try I don't always succeed, but I try to set aside a different day of the week for my rest and refreshment. Because deeds of mercy, deeds of necessity, and deeds of worship are all legitimate forms of work, employment, what have you, on the Lord's Day. It is a day for us to remember our deliverance and God's creation pattern of rest. And what I want to leave you with is this. And this is there's there's no more slides, no more pictures. When I say finally this time, I really mean finally. You know, I, I'm follow I've good precedent. You know, the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians said finally, and he was only halfway through the book. So, it's it's okay. Um, <clears throat> the biggest, I believe most crucial principle behind the Sabbath day is total reliance on God because it recognizes that God alone is responsible for outcomes. Think about this. Think about an agricultural community where they, they earn their, their livelihood from their work, uh, from their, you know, their planting, their growing, And their God is telling them, I want you to one day a week not do anything. Set it all aside. Well, God, how are we going to survive if we do that? How are we going to get by? And God would say, I want you to trust me to provide. I believe this is the most important Um, Yes, it's for our rest. Yes, it's for our refreshment and our remembrance of who God is and what he's done for us. But I believe most importantly, it is our recognition of stepping back from life and, and, and saying, God, I'm not in control of my life. I'm not in control of, uh, of my survival. You are in control. And I'm taking this time 
not to do anything for myself, to preserve myself or to, to provide for myself or for my family, but I'm totally trusting in you for everything that I need. That's what Sabbath is. And when we delight in God's day, we take delight in Him. Amen. Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer.